Welcome to Recover Strong, a podcast that will transform your recovery from an eating disorder by helping you go from theory to practice to mastery. This is your special time to learn new skills, tools, and get the inspiration you need to recover strong. Let's get started. Hello there, Warrior. I'm your host, Jessica Flint. I'm the founder and CEO of Recovery Warriors, a wisdom sharing platform for all people impacted by an eating disorder. Recovery Warriors provides resources and support to heal your relationship to food, body, mind, and soul. I believe recovery is not only possible, but it is worth it. That is why Recover Strong exists, to help you see and connect to the potential that lies within you to find freedom from an eating disorder. Today, I have a show for you that was recorded two years ago. Now, this was one of these shows that I do every now and again that's just like a whopper to produce. So it's not your standard just like, hey, I'm going to show up and hear an interview type of podcast. This one, I put an immense amount of thought and energy and emotion and just love into. And it was a healing and creative experience in and of itself to create it. The reason I'm bringing it back is one, to me, it's a very special show. As we really start to grow our podcast channel and create new shows, I want to connect with you guys and share a bit of my story so you know where I'm coming from and why I'm so passionate in serving you and helping you get through the dark times and helping you get to the other side. Because I believe we can always get to the other side, no matter how hard, how dark, how disadvantaged we feel. And also, just to plug our listener survey, we've been getting a lot of great responses from you, and we are literally crafting our content exactly to what you're asking. Laura wanted to hear more about worthlessness. So this show really does dive into this concept of worth and how do we really reclaim our worth, our inherent worth that's already there. And we had another listener who wanted to know more about grief and how to work through the grief process. And we'll do more shows here to cover grief, but this show in particular really spoke to me as one that, that talks about grief this idea of really coming to befriend our pain and our suffering and our loss so we can grow from it. And this isn't coming from a place of toxic positivity. This is coming from a place of truly going through it, not around it or numbing it because it's there. The more that the pain and the grief are there, they get trapped. And the more trapped they are, the more trapped we are. And the liberation comes from allowing ourselves to feel all the emotions, to feel the loss, to feel the pain, to feel the suffering. And that is a brave journey. Now, I created this show two years ago because I came out of a really transformational experience, like going into the cocoon, you know, and really transforming. And whenever we think about these rebirth processes, right, when the caterpillar is going into the cocoon, it's going to its grave, but the butterfly is going into its womb. So what comes out is always a renewed version of ourselves as we go into these transformational processes. So during this time from when this show was released to the present day, right? The then when the show was released and the now to where I'm at today. So since I did this show, I came deeper into really owning my story of sexual abuse and childhood and really owning my story of creating a company that has now had 29.8 million healing sessions for people who are recovering from an eating disorder on it, yet have the very most important woman in my life not 
get the message, not want to do the work and do the healing. And it's until this point that I've been fully able to own this. And it's not something I'm going to share all the time and hold as, you know, this is who I am, but it's part of my story. And it's a part of so many other people's stories where they haven't felt safe in their body or they haven't felt that they could truly help the people that they love the most. And what that creates in oneself is powerlessness, is helplessness. And how can we try to counteract that? Well, to be powerful and to be all helpful. And the process that I've come into the past two years, which has just been, once again, this amazing cathartic experience, is to start to really reclaim my power and the true reasons I want to help. The true reasons, free of attachment, free of something that needs to come from it in return, but just to genuinely serve and help and want others to be able to do the same for themselves and then for others. Because I profoundly believe in the ripple effect that one person can ignite a response in another, that can ignite a response in another. And so this work to me is now so sacred. It, it's coming once again from this place of humility and, and humbleness. I, the road to recovery is not easy. Not everybody's going to walk it. And sometimes you may feel like you are on it for freaking eternity. And that's okay. As long as you're on the path, as long as you're taking steps forward and being open to what arises. I'm grateful to have you as a listener because I know the very fact that you are listening to this shows that you do care about yourself. You care about your healing. You are taking the steps. Even if you feel hopeless at times, that's okay. I recently just dropped the next affirmation track for the daily growth habit. And it is called Breaking Free from Unworthiness and Shining Your Light. So I love all the affirmations on this one. I really spoke them from the heart. As many of you know, words of affirmation are my love language. So whenever I can speak it, it just feels so good to me. And you can get access to this affirmation track and all of our other affirmation tracks to help you grow into your best self, your best recovered self over at recoverywarriors.com slash habit. All you have to do is request an invite and we'll send you a private invitation link to get set up with the Daily Growth Habit right here on your favorite podcast player. So you can listen to it easily, conveniently, whenever serves you the best to get these inspiring messages to fuel your growth. Once again, to get in on that, go to recoverywarriors.com slash habit And if you're like me and you kind of want it fast and easy, I put the links below in the episode notes so you can easily access the link for the daily growth habit and for the listener survey if you want to let us know how we can best serve you in the months ahead. Alrighty, without further ado, let's get into this intimate show that I produce to really get to the heart of the healing journey and uncovering buried pain and shame and transmuting it into love, forgiveness, and compassion. Now, I must say, coming back to this show, I am feeling super renewed, strengthened, centered, and empowered to serve. 
And today I want to share a chapter in my story that has been really heavy, I guess you could say. It's been marked by a deep inner soul transformation that's been intense. And I've kept quiet about this over the past uh, few years. And my intention for sharing today is twofold. First, I want to encourage any of you who are feeling like you've been at your recovery for so long and are still not feeling fully healed, because I totally know that feeling, to not give up and to not lose hope. Healing is not a one and done event. It's not something you just tick off the box. You've done it, you haven't done it. It's a multi-layered process. In fact, if you're doing it right, you continue to courageously break open the self and ego as a means for deeper exploration and integration. My second intention for sharing is liberation. To own my story from a place of acceptance and love, not judgment and fear. This frees me up to be more in alignment with my authentic self, which is essential for me in continuing my creative work and service to all you warriors. What I'm going to share today is something, like I said, I've kept quiet. I've been very private about this over the past five years, because I was still very much in the center of the storm. And I needed to draw my energy inwards and focus on myself. Now on the other side of the storms, cleansing power with a rainbow in the sky, I have greater vitality, purpose, and passion in a new perspective to talk about my journey from a place of wisdom, not from my wounds. Now in case you're wondering, if you're like, oh, girl, she relapsed. The answer is no, I did not relapse, not even close. This storm had absolutely nothing to do with an eating disorder. This one was more of the mother of all storms, <laughs> category five. Uh, it was intense and was worth it, was extremely worth it to go through this storm. I, I mean, I, I feel so grateful to have had the experience. And I can happily say, having gone through it, I am just radiantly alive. I'm in the best emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual health of my entire life. And it was all a result of me not giving up on myself, trusting the process, and doing the heavy healing work. Which leads me to my story today. Once upon a time, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Five years ago, on June 18th, 2016, it was the day of my 32nd birthday. I was absolutely head over heels in love, waiting for a gold moonstone engagement ring encircled with diamonds to be slipped on my finger by my handsome Johnny Depp lookalike boyfriend. Johnny Depp. Circa 1990s, guys, you know, not Johnny Depp, Pirates of the Caribbean, <laughs> just to clarify in case you're wondering uh, what's my style. Anyways, I diverge. Earlier in the year, he got accepted into a PhD program in behavioral psychology in Boston and immediately asked me to join him in going there. And it felt like heaven on earth to be asked to move across the country with him. And when the day grew closer, I sacrificially sold off all my prized surfboards and carefully bubble wrapped my belongings into boxes 
anticipating this next exciting chapter of leaving California and going to the East Coast. In a blink of an eye, plans changed. We turned to me, and I was no longer invited into his future. There was no birthday cake or confetti to celebrate the day. Just my dream shattered into millions of little tiny pieces as I hysterically wept on the floor. With no lease signed or place to move, I knew I had to go somewhere with my pack boxes, bruised ego, and broken heart. And in the language of Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, my breakup was my, quote, call to adventure. And from here forward, everything was unknown. I actually dug up a clip from a podcast I did two weeks after the breakup, so you can hear where I was at that point in time. Here it is. And... As many of you know, I kind of dropped a little hint on the last show that I recently broke up with my boyfriend. And uh, this was a man I was getting ready to move across the country to Boston with in the fall. It has been a couple weeks since we split, but this week is when I really faced reality on a whole new level. And uh, it, it definitely was the deepest pain I've experienced yet. And a lot of tears and a lot of fear and uh, just just a lot of uh, intense, intense emotions. And uh, so getting this podcast out, though, I do want to address that it, it was a very challenging, like a monumental task, uh, because in this time period right now, I'm really feeling the need and the want to kind of retreat into my shell and heal and maybe just be with a few close people and not really uh, be addressing audience of thousands and it's it's kind of this pressure to communicate and the desire to kind of be uh withdrawn that it's just it's a hard contradiction to work with and i just want to own that um and i i do want to acknowledge as well how grateful i am to have you as listeners and even though it's extremely challenging for me to be consistent with this show right now, y- you motivate me to show up. And I've been thinking about you all, and I just really want to let you know that you are in my thoughts. I not only lost my boyfriend, but my best friend, my ultimate supporter, and one of my biggest inspirations. And he was the first person I connected with emotionally, intellectually, and sexually in ways I only dreamed of and envisioned. You know, he was my ideal relationship on so many levels. And like two little passionate peas in a pod, we really cultivated a space for each other to love and trust and expand personally and professionally. So so even though I logically understand why we need to move on and it's important in both of our paths, the emotional void though is is there and the pain I feel is, is real and super deep and may take a while to heal and I don't know how long and I can't rush that process. If you are listening to this and thinking to yourself, 
this is why I don't get in relationships because they cause pain. Uh, you know, I, I do really want you to know that I shut myself off from relationships for many years, uh, because I didn't want to feel the pain, but the pain is worth it. The, the pain will go away and it does get better with time. The love is always yours to keep. So the love that you get in a relationship and the expansiveness and, and the movement in your heart and the growth, those you get to keep. And my capacity to love is much, much greater now than it has ever been. And moving forward, nothing can take that away. It is mine to keep. I do just want to ask you, uh, dear warrior, dear listener, to please be compassionate with me as I navigate my course when the landscape around me is in flux and I find my new home because, you know, my course has definitely changed. I've personally lived in over 25 houses in my life and I know I can survive another move. It's definitely within my ability and this one in particular may take a little while, but yeah, so just thank you for letting me share where I'm at now. Uh, I'm confident things will get better, though. I honestly know they will. Uh, the visual I keep holding in my head and that just kind of keeps coming to me is uh, this big river and I'm on the banks of it. And I, I know I need to jump across because I really do want to get to the other side. I know that that's part of my path. And... In order to do so, I need to take a few steps back so I can gather all the momentum possible to jump and catapult myself forward to the other side. And right now I'm really just one being compassionate with myself and knowing that steps back often are what drive you to make a big step forward. And that goes for you as well with recovery. A lot of the times it is, it's two steps forward, one step back and to not really fear the steps back because they're part of the process. It's so cool to listen back and hear that I did not doubt the power of my heart to heal. This trust was essential for what came next in my journey. After spending months traveling around, visiting my best friends, and staying on their couches, I followed an intuitive pull to move to Boulder, Colorado to apply for a business accelerator program called Techstars. I had high hopes of creating the next Spotify of mental health educational content called WarriorFi. <laughs> and with a name like that, thank God it never worked out. <gasps> oh man. And But the deeper truth unbeknownst to my career-driven ego is I moved there to heal. Through a series of magical synchronicities, I ended up calling this adorable cottage tucked back in the Rocky Mountains along a gentle winding river my home. It was just me, the bears, mountain lions, deer, and my beloved dog Ona. The solitude and grounding connection to nature was exactly what my soul needed. The abrupt and totally unexpected loss of my relationship initiated a cataclysmic opening of my childhood abandonment wounds 
that I wasn't prepared for. Like the opening of Pandora's box, years of repressed and buried hurt, abuse, pain, and trauma came pouring out. I was flooded with grief. Grief for having an emotionally detached and disengaged mom who never experienced healthy attachment herself and was therefore incapable of giving me the same. Grief for having to be more of a parent than a daughter as she struggled through life with substance abuse and eating disorder and low self-worth. My soul deeply resonates with John Lennon's song, Mother. I've always felt it to be my biography in lyrics. But I never had My whole life, I've longed for a mother's warm, loving embrace, nourishment, validation, and empathy. And so I grieved. And the grief continued. Grief for never feeling like I had a dad. Losing him once to a bitter divorce amidst bankruptcy when I was six twice to a cross-country move in his new family when I was 10, thrice to his requested disownment of me when I was 21, and finally to his sudden early death with no chance to make amends or ever say goodbye when I was 24. My whole life I've deeply longed for a father's protection, support, guidance, and encouragement. And so I grieved. Father, you left me, but I never left you. grief continued. Grief for little me, little Jess, who had no control over what she witnessed and the pain and the confusion she experienced. I mourned the love, trust, and connection she never felt, the adoration she never received, all the ways she internalized she was broken because she was not good enough or wanted. How she had to survive by hiding her shame through an armor of perfectionism, unhealthy food behaviors, and extreme self-reliance.
overall, my warrior friend, I felt deep sorrow for the shame I have been coated in like a thick tar for most of my life. It's hard to express in words, but the shame I've carried is deeper than just me. It's in my blood. In her book, The Gifts of Imperfection, Dr. Brene Brown describes shame as, quote, the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. And she goes on to say that, quote, childhood experiences of shame change who we are, how we think about ourselves, and our sense of self-worth, end quote. My understanding of self-worth changed dramatically in this time. Prior, I thought it was just another word for self-esteem, but there is a big difference. Self-worth is the internal sense of being good enough and worthy of love and belonging from others. Self-esteem, on the other hand, relies on external factors such as successes and achievements to define worth. Self-worth is recognizing I am greater than all of those things. It is a deep knowing that I am of value, that I am unconditionally lovable, as is. Self-worth is the stable foundation on which we grow into our fullest expression of ourselves. It's not an elusive thing we find. It's already within us. We are all inherently worthy. It's about removing all of the layers of shame and societal scripts that hold us back from seeing our worth owning our worth, and embodying our worth. I had a lot of layers of shame to remove, and the fact that I developed an eating disorder really to me comes as no surprise. For me, an eating disorder was one of the ways I coped with my childhood trauma. Leading expert Dr. Peter Levine writes in his book, Healing Trauma, a pioneering program for restoring the wisdom of your body, quote, Trauma is trauma no matter what caused it. To really understand this, we really need to hone in on the fact that people can be traumatized by any event they perceive, consciously or unconsciously, to be life-threatening. When it comes to trauma, the critical factor is the perception of threat and the incapacity to deal with it. End quote. So according to Dr. Levine, Any event someone perceives to be life-threatening can cause trauma. Obvious causes are childhood emotional, physical, or sexual abuse, neglect, betrayal, or abandonment during childhood, experiencing or witnessing violence, rape, and catastrophic accidents, injuries, and illnesses. And he cites a whole list of less obvious potential causes of trauma, such as Minor injuries, like a child falling off a bicycle, invasive medical or dental procedures, or birth stress for both mother and her infant, just to name a few. Dr. Peter Levine goes on to say that, quote, Trauma is about loss of connection to ourselves, to our bodies, to our families, to others, and to the world around us. This loss of connection is often hard to recognize because it doesn't happen all at once. It can happen slowly over time, and we adapt to these subtle changes, sometimes without even noticing them. These are the hidden effects of trauma, the ones most of us keep to ourselves. 
We may simply sense that we do not feel quite right without ever becoming fully aware of what is taking place. That is the gradual undermining of our self-esteem, self-confidence, feelings of well-being, and connection to life. The result of this gradual constriction of freedom is the loss of vitality and potential for the fulfillment of our dreams. End quote. I've been very angry when I think back to my eating disorder treatment and the fact that it didn't have a trauma-informed approach. At the same time, when I sink into the reality, I wasn't equipped with the resources or coping skills to deal with it then. I needed to be in a much stronger place, mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. However, Through my hard-won recovery from an eating disorder, I learned the crucial skills of self-compassion and emotional awareness, skills that were absolutely necessary to navigate what I was experiencing as a dark night of the soul, or what my greatest spiritual teacher, Dr. Carl Jung, calls the, quote, night sea journey. During the night sea journey, we begin to confront our disowned or suppressed shadow, and let go of the attachment to our outward identity. When we start to let go of our outer layers, we become more acquainted with our full selves, our whole selves. In his book, The Great Work of Your Life, A Guide for the Journey to Your True Calling, Stephen Cope describes the night sea journey as, quote, the journey into the parts of ourselves that are split off, disavowed, unknown, unwanted, cast out and exiled into the subterranean worlds of the unconscious. The goal of this journey is to reunite us with ourselves. Such a homecoming can be surprisingly painful, even brutal. In order to undertake it, we must first agree to exile nothing. End quote. So here I am, no cell phone service, living in the mountains of Colorado, stripping myself bare of my outward identity and fully accessing the shadowy depths of my childhood loss, abuse, neglect, and grief. Coincidentally, all of this is happening an hour away from my dad's old apartment, the very last place I saw him alive. I walked along that flowing river and cried every day for seven months straight. No joke, I cried every day. Some days, a tear or two would just well up in the corner of my eyes and trickle down my face. Other days, full-on, snotty, hyperventilating, heart-wrenching downpours. There's a quote I discovered at the time by Johnny Depp that put it all into perspective. He said, People cry not because they are weak. It is because... They've been strong too long. My tough exterior finally broke. The armor came off. And John Mayer's song, In the Blood, was my healing anthem. As the golden aspen leaves fell from the trees in the crisp fall air, I cried. How much of my mother has my mother left in me? How much of my love will be insane to some degree? And what about this feeling that I'm never good enough? 
Will it wash out in the water Or is it always in the blood As the river froze over and snow covered my path and the cold air stung my lungs in the winter, I cried. How much of my father am I destined to become? Will I dim the lights inside me just to satisfy someone? Will I let this woman kill me or do away with jealous love? Will it wash out in the water or is it always in as the yellow and red tulips triumphantly poked their heads from the soil in the spring, I cried. I can feel the love I want. I can feel the love I need. But it's never gonna come the way I am. Could I change it if I want it? Can I rise above the flood? Will it wash out in the water? Or is it always in? It was like a dam broke and tears came rushing out. It was the most cathartic experience of my life. Every tear began to dissolve a little of the shame. Each tear was a droplet of letting go. The tears were essential for me to break into the next level of intimacy and vulnerability with innocent and tender-hearted little Jess. The little girl within me who felt alone, helpless, afraid, misunderstood, unsafe, rejected, abandoned, unwanted, and unloved. My spirituality grew a thousandfold in this time, thanks to wonderful teachers like Brene Brown, Pema Chodron, Kristen Neff, and Carolyn Mace. I knew I was not alone in my suffering. I sensed my humanity and my humility. In the space of suffering, I allowed myself to be fully held by God. I learned to let the divine take the lead. It became a sacred dance of surrender. With each step, my intuition became increasingly more powerful. I began to access my spiritual guidance through tarot and oracle cards. My love for astrology deepened as I saw the narrative of my life unfold in the perfect divine timing of the cosmos down to the very minute. My breakup was a blessing. It provided me the catalyst for profound awakening. It opened a portal to emotional and spiritual transformation. When summer came, I was ready for the next phase of my night sea journey. I packed up my things and moved to Austin, Texas, the city my mom has called home for the past 12 years. Now, never once in my life did I imagine that this California surfer girl would end up down in the good old South in the heart of Texas. I've been here for four years now and am beyond happy living in the home of my dreams and have a stand-up paddleboard that I can take onto the lake just down the street. Now, living less than two miles away from my mom has been hugely transformational in healing the unconscious power or dynamic this relationship has had over me. Layer by layer, I have cut away the bonds that held me to the past by forgiving, releasing, and ultimately accepting. Layer by layer, I've released resentment towards my mother and put aside blame on my father. Layer by layer, I removed the limiting beliefs that prevented me from growing into who I'm ultimately meant to be. 
I see my grief as having two parts. The first part was acknowledging loss and what could have been and what wasn't. The second was my remaking, remaking myself stronger from the inside out. Leading trauma expert Dr. Peter Levine offers a gentle, gradual approach to healing trauma in his book, Healing Trauma, a pioneering program for restoring the wisdom of your body. He builds a strong case that people who experience trauma are cut off from their bodies. Therefore, body sensations, rather than intense emotion, are the key to healing trauma. He says, quote, Rebuilding connection is really the key to all of this work because trauma is about loss of connection. First to the body and self, and second to others and the environment, end quote. My remaking brought me a whole new level of meaning to the words embodiment and self-care. Self-care is not something that is nice to do or I should do. Self-care is a non-negotiable. When we place self-care at the center of our life, everything around us improves. When we make daily decisions based on the value of self-care, instead of reacting to all the outside forces that keep us away from self-care, our paradigm of ourselves, our self-esteem, our self-confidence, and our integrity are profoundly shifted in positive directions. In his book, Yoga and the Quest for the True Self, Stephen Cope says, quote, As we begin to re-experience a visceral reconnection with the needs of our bodies, there is a brand new capacity to warmly love the self. We experience a new quality of authenticity in our caring, which redirects our attention to our health, our energy, and our time management. This enhanced care for the self arises spontaneously and naturally, not in response to a, quote, should. We are able to experience an immediate and intrinsic pleasure in self-care, end quote. And that could not be anywhere closer to the truth. I've found great success in establishing radiant holistic health mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually when I focus on the following eight modes of self-care. First, inhabiting my physical body and its senses through meditation, yoga, dancing, massage, baths, cooking, and cleaning. Two, finding my voice through therapy, improv comedy, journaling, singing, and podcasting. Three, increasing self-awareness of my emotions and bodily senses through mindfulness. Four, tending to my inner world and spiritual self through analyzing my dreams, praying, and connecting to my intuition daily. Five, letting go of workaholism and giving myself space to rest, be creative, play, and have fun. Six, practicing gratitude and celebrating small wins every day. Seven, maintaining healthy boundaries by knowing my needs and advocating for them. And eight, connecting with communities that bring me consistency, accountability, inspiration, and encouragement. 
Now, I could go into depth on all eight of these and have a separate show or even series for every single one of these facets or modes of self-care. Kimberly, a member of this year's Courage Club, bravely shared her journey and wisdom inside our support circle the other day. She said, quote, There is still so much grieving I need to do for all of the shame I hold in my body. Changing my heart and rewiring my tangled-up brain will take a while. Yesterday, I was kind of a mess. I brought all of the shame to the surface. What this eating disorder has done to my soul and to those I love. I need to sit with it all. I have a quote that says, Let us release ourselves from the pressure to immediately find the good in everything. Let us allow ourselves to feel the fullness of our grief. And also, feel the fullness of our joy whenever our hearts are ready. I'm kind of at that point in recovery. I just need to grieve. I need to say that this has been really hard. I need to be able to go back to many of my stories and forgive myself. End quote. This makes me think of Brene Brown's quote from her book, The Gifts of Imperfection, when she says, When we bury the story, we forever stay the subject of the story. If we own the story, we get to narrate the ending. End quote. All of us have unique stories and what led us into the darkness of an eating disorder and what will ultimately lead us out. It doesn't have to be trauma or a disconnected family like I shared in my story today. But what I will say is I've yet to hear a recovery story that does not involve confronting the toxicity of shame and the importance of connecting to one's inherent self-worth. This podcast today was me not burying my story. After years of drawing inward to heal, I'm flourishing from the inside out. I've made it through the darkness just as I did with an eating disorder. I'm no longer letting the shame of my family's story hold me back from experiencing joy, love, and belonging. It doesn't matter how my family shows up for me. What matters is how I show up for me. It's been a long journey from what will people think to I am enough. I am enough as is. And I want to end with these wise words of my spiritual teacher, Dr. Carl Jung. I am not what happened to me. I am what I choose to become. So here's to healing and becoming the boldest, brightest, bravest, and best versions of ourselves. Well, my warrior friend, thank you for having the discipline to listen in. If you found this episode helpful and know somebody in recovery who could benefit from its inspiring message, please share this show with them. It would mean the world to us at Recovery Warriors if we can get our cause out to more people struggling with an eating disorder. So if what you heard today was helpful, share the show with another warrior or anyone on your treatment team. You can do this directly from your podcast player or send them over to recoverywarriors.com. We have a goldmine of free resources there for all stages of recovery. And until the next episode, may compassion light the path you are on and courage keep you on it. You totally got this, warrior. Warrior.